What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome back to Evil Pudding, a did, true crime podcast. I was dropping you, the beat. Did you start a beatbox to the theme song? <laughs> and someone cancel us. <laughs> someone please cancel us. I think I'm slap happy. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I'm so tired that I'm just slap Good happy. Lord. Um, hi, Pat. I'm Courtney, by the way. And clearly I'm Pat. Hello. <laughs> And we're back with the third, uh, I think it's our third, third installment of our prison series. The prison series. I'm super excited about this, this one. This one's so much fun to do. Yeah, it is. It, well, I don't know about fun, but. We always have a fun. It's, it's a always, change of pace. I'll give you that. That's what I mean. It's, yeah. it's not, well, it is still murderers and, and rapists and necrophiliacs, but it's not <laughs> to the degree we normally cover it. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> it's just quick stories about the horrible people. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I'm trying to think if I have anything else to share. Oh, our Patreon is up. It's up. And um, I will have some Patreon shout outs to some subscribers. So, uh, But before that, it's been a hot minute since we have recommended a podcast that we are loving. And uh, this week we are shouting out M Cubed, M3. And, and, cubed. <laughs> and okay. that is murder, mystery, and mayhem. And T-Rexes. And T-Rexes. Here's a quick trailer. Check them out. Hello, you lovely people. I'm Sam. She's Paige. Hey. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and with the power of dumbassery, we are M-Cubed, or M3, murder, mystery, and mayhem. With our squirrely, chaotic energy, we love to do research on cases that make you laugh, cry, and of course, make you go full T-Rex. You know, the level of uncomfortable that makes your arms retract and head attempt to be one with your shoulders. And obviously, the only vocalization is, RAAAAH! <laughs> <laughs> Find us on all the major podcast platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us in our dumbassery every Thursday! Seriously, come join us. I absolutely love Sam and Paige. They are friends of ours and just the funniest people. Very few people can make me laugh like those two. I'm I'm a fan. I know you are too, Pat. I mean, they do ask me some of the most ridiculous questions ever. Because <laughs> like, you're a cop. They need to know. Like, Yeah, because normal people ask me if it's what the crime is if you throw an alligator through a drive-thru. <laughs> What what the context that you're missing, family, is that they have like a dumbassery segment and they talk about there was a guy who threw an alligator through a drive through window. And so they and, oh, the, I mean, and the girls were literally wondering, is that like attempted murder? That seems like what is that? I, I don't have an answer for that. I still don't. And you know what? When you ask me that, I have more questions than answers because I'm like. How the fuck did he get the alligator there? Was it in his lap the whole way or was it just chilling in the back seat? And he was like, hey, buddy, let me throw you through the window. <laughs> we need to ask Sam and Paige for context. I need clarity on need these clarity. ridiculous questions that you want answered <laughs> before I can give you an answer. But I'm sure they could charge him with some wildlife crime of some sort, if nothing else. Well, go to... Um, assault with a deadly gator? I don't know. Assault with a deadly gator? <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, to me, that would be attempted murder, you know? Depends on the size of the gator. Was it like a little baby? No. Was it like a 12-footer? How'd you get it through the window, first of all? But yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
And Sam and Paige, just to be clear, they do not throw alligators through drive-thru windows. Not that, that we, we know of. That we know of. Not that we know. Maybe they'd be doing that, and we just don't know, you know? Anyway, check them out. They're awesome. <laughs> They're fun. They're, they're great to listen to. They're a good time. <laughs> they are. Okay, guys. So, um, Patreon shout-outs. Uh, let me pull up my handy little list here. Yep. First, we have Amy. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. Uh, then we have Jennifer. What's up, Jennifer? And actually, Jennifer is the one who recommended the uh, Tommy Sullivan Jr. case, the Satanic right. Panic. Right, right. So great person. Love you. Uh, then we have Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Thank you so much for subscribing. We love you. And then we have our friends, uh, Carmen and Joanna, over at Live Laugh Murder Podcast, another great podcast that you guys need to check out. Yep. And I do have an honorable mention, Pat. Did you see the fan art that we, not fan art, but listener um, art that I posted on Instagram? I did, and it's amazing. Oh, I'm obsessed. Now, I want to tell you her name. If you go to our Instagram, we posted this picture that she designed. Her name is Ricky. I don't know if she wants her last name out there, so I'm just not going to do it. But Ricky, we love you. You're awesome. Yeah, your Thank that you artwork so is amazing much you are so talented actually when right before we started our podcast that was what i wanted something like that you know with involving pudding but i everything i did looked like you know like a little um like pudding cup it was just stupid not necessarily and she just made it like look so badass but hers is amazing and we're gonna put an instagram post up today well if you've listened to this you've probably already seen it mm-hmm. which already has I don't know, maybe some little teasers of some merch that I'm wearing because yeah. I got the beanie and the t-shirt on and I'm the only one that has both. Pat is wearing an evil pudding t-shirt and of course an evil pudding beanie. I mean, dull. What else do I wear? But I was testing some merch ideas on them, but we definitely want to get Ricky's design on some merch too because, I mean, we would be stupid if we didn't use it because she's no, amazing. No, absolutely. It's amazing. And then, uh, so you can check that stuff out on Instagram, obviously. Yes. Go to our Patreon. We have the links up on our link tree on Instagram and yeah. our socials. It's evolving. You know, there's some, there's some things on there right now. We're, we're going to be adding, it. we're adding ad free episodes, early releases, yeah. know, monthly lives, special requests, shout outs. By the end of this week, we will have up some ad free episodes and yep. then yeah. Um, y'all get first like say in merch, which designs you like the best. Y'all definitely get first. I put y'all to the top of the list on case recommendations. Yep. And I mean, you get, you get input on our merch design, Absolutely. stickers and all that stuff. And we're trying to get y'all's feedback. That's the first place we're going to go with it. And it's cool. Cause we can actually chat directly on there as well. So yeah, definitely cool. Definitely check it out. You don't have to subscribe if you don't Please. want to. If you do, you're awesome. We love you. Yeah. If you don't, you're still awesome. We still love you. Yeah. Um, Cause you're listening to us. So that's your badass right there. They probably stopped listening after my beatboxing. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> did you? I did. You're out. <laughs> I canceled us. Well, we probably deserve it. We, you pre-canceled us? Pre-can... No, I think we've earned it at this point. Yeah, probably so. Okay, so you ready to hop into this? Our Please, prison we're rambling series? about some dumbassness right now. Let's... let's. <laughs> okay, guys. So um, if you remember our last prison installment, uh, Patrick did an episode for us about his favorite prison. I hate to say favorite prison, but he grew up next to it. Eastern State Penitentiary <laughs> in Philadelphia. Um well, little did even Patrick know that Eastern State Penn has an evil little sister called uh, Holmesburg Prison. And I, I did tell Pat about this case because I was sure that he had heard of it. And turns out you didn't, right, Pat? I haven't. I don't even know what we're talking about That's yet. That's crazy. And it's in Philly. 
Okay, so when I stumbled upon the dark, rather recent, uncomfortably recent history of this place, I was literally floored, like jaw on the ground. It was one of those moments where I felt so naive, as in that we, as in us Americans, had had events of this magnitude occur right under our noses, and the majority of us have no idea about it. Like, if I were to read this episode to you out of context and not tell you where this was, you'd be like, oh, well, this occurred in Nazi Germany, for sure. Okay. Uh, But no, it happened right here in the U.S. Usually in these episodes, we dive deep into the architecture and when it was built and all that stuff. And although we will definitely touch on that briefly because it's super interesting, I really want to focus today's episode, uh, I really want the focus to be on the mayhem that occurred within. I definitely think that we need to have a conversation about it and bring it to light. So today, we will be talking about decades worth of super shady happenings at Holmesburg Prison in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And trigger warning for this whole episode. I'm not sure exactly what kind of trigger warning to issue with this case, because I mean, lots of new fears were definitely unlocked for me when researching it. Fantastic. But just a general heads up, it's going to get a little gory, a little rough. So, FYI. Because our stories never do that. No, no. Sunshine and butterflies here. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty stuff, let's talk about the actual physical prison really quickly. Okay. So, Holmesburg, known by the nickname the Terror Dome, Terror Dome, The Dome of Terror, if you will. The Dome of Terror, which is foreboding, was opened in 1896, mainly as the city of Philadelphia's response to overcrowding in the areas surrounding prison, such as Moyamensing Prison, and of course, its big sister, Eastern State. Right. The prison was designed by architect Thomas Eustick Walter, who was also responsible, Pat, for designing the dome and the extension wings of the U.S. Capitol building. Oh, Okay. He also, yeah, and he also designed Moyamensing uh, Prison. I would venture to say that Walter definitely borrowed inspiration from Eastern State Pen architect John Haviland because it's really similar in design, like super similar. It has that same wagon wheel design with the guard tower in the middle and then the actual cells jutting out like uh, spokes. I think it's just on a smaller scale, much smaller scale. Right. I'll post pictures of it so y'all can go and look at them on Instagram. Although the prison technically was decommissioned in 1995, it is still in use today, mainly for the occasional prisoner overflow as well as some um, work programs. And also um, tactical training is done there. If you are ever in Philly, you can see it for yourself. It's located on Torresdale Avenue in the Holmesburg section of the city. I'm not really familiar with the area, but if you live there, then you probably know. The prison was designed with the uh, separate penal confinement philosophy in mind, which basically meant that they employed isolation tactics in this facility. So each prisoner was really meant to have their own very small confined area which means the prison is, and especially the cells, are pretty darn small. It was meant to hold 770 prisoners only, Pat. However, overpopulation would quickly become an issue. Okay. 
The beginning of our story takes place in 1928, and by then, there were over 1,500 inmates jammed into that prison that was meant to hold only 770. Sounds about right, since Eastern State was the same way. They were all overflowed. Yeah, jammed. So you can imagine the issues that would arise from that, especially since there were less than 100 guards employed at that time. So the guard-to-prisoner ratio is not, not good. No, not at all. Now, although the architecture and history of how the prison came to be is super interesting, I don't want to spend too much time on that today because the atrocities that occurred there are far more important, and I want to spend the majority of my time talking about that. So let's go ahead and jump into it feet first. Okay, so it's August 1928 and an unusually hot summer in the city of Philadelphia. Many of the facilities and homes, especially at that time, you know, didn't have AC, so open windows were a godsend. Like I had mentioned a minute ago, Holmesburg Prison was definitely overcrowded. Each cell was meant to house one to two prisoners, max, and at this time there were three to four prisoners per cell. With so many prisoners and not enough prison staff, the guards got a little concerned when the inmates started complaining of severe mistreatment. And as we will later see, that is 100% probably happening. (laughs) In mid-August, the prisoners' main concern was the food. Uh, I didn't find the specific complaint that they had because it's not really too important to the story. But things were bad enough that 650 prisoners refused to go down to the chow hall to eat on this day. That's that's a lot of prisoners. In it's like half the prison. Yeah. So the guards, they were getting a little nervous, you know, when that I many prisoners too, are look. in cahoots, you know. The food strike was so significant, actually, Pat, that it made national news headlines. In fact, it made the front page of the most famous paper in the nation, the New York Times. Ooh. Not wanting to garner, you know, too much negative attention, the guards were like, okay, we got to show the inmates who's boss and take action. So beginning on August 19th, which was a Friday, the guards started taking some of the perceived leaders of the strike, which were about eight inmates at this time, and they hauled them to a small isolation block known as the Klondike. That sounds like fun. Now, the Klondike is like the hole, right? Uh, Every prison has a hole, and for the extra, like, unruly inmates to be completely isolated. However, the Klondike was very unique. I will post an aerial picture of it, but this place is like a literal box. It's like no bigger than a shed that you would just store your lawnmower in in your backyard. It's tiny. In fact, when looking at an aerial shot of the prison, the Klondike is so small, it's easy to not even notice the Klondike had about 12 uh, like extra small, tiny cells. Very, very small. Barely big enough for one person. Because, like I said, it was intended for isolation. However, only five of those cells were even usable. At this time, the rest were being used for storage. So oh. they were storing ladders and crap out there. The entire building is 50 feet long by 15 feet wide and only one story high. Jeez Not very big. Louise. Uh, What makes this unique, though, and this is important, is this place had multiple banks of these huge radiators that stretched from floor to ceiling, almost resembling like organs in a cathedral. Yeah. What? Literally no one. Why? 
uh, yeah, literally no one outside of the prison knew what they were there for. And there was no reason for them to be there other than for torture purposes. Yeah, in a small ass. Yeah. So uh, you know what it kind of reminds me of in a way hmm. is uh, some of those ones. If you look into some of the Texas prisons that have those sheds, the individual sheds out in the middle of the yard. Yeah. They, they were yeah. kind of like solitary that they would yeah. throw you in in oh, August. God. So it's basically like a sauna. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it sounds like is they would crank those radiators in the summer and turn them off in the winter. It's like, yeah, like you said, torture. So these eight prisoners were thrown into the Klondike on the evening of August 19th. The windows, they had windows at the very top of the building and they were sealed up. The air vents were shut. Remember, this is in the middle of summer and it's a heat wave. The um, air vents were shut. The water was cut off, so there would be no running water to use toilets or anything. And the heat was turned all the way up. Good Lord. Over the next two days, more and more inmates were perceived who were perceived as leaders of the strike were thrown into the Klondike. By now, Pat, there were 25 inmates jammed together in five tiny cells. That's five prisoners to a cell. And they're designed, they're barely, they're barely big enough barely for one Barely big person. enough for one to, oh, to, to stretch their legs out. Yeah. Each day, each prisoner would get one stale piece of bread, one small cup of water. Temperatures, Pat, skyrocketed to over 200 degrees Fahrenheit. For context, that's just 12 degrees below the boiling point. Your blood is literally boiling at this point almost. Monday morning rolled around. So they were in there Friday. Monday morning came mm-hmm. around. The guards were like, let's check on our guys and see how they're doing. See how they're not all dead. Well, um, the guards went to check on the inmates in the Klondike, and there was no one that was conscious. No shit. Emergency services were called in to attempt to resuscitate those that they could. All of the prisoners were, interestingly, uh, blue in color and absolutely unrecognizable. And by the way, these men were blue, not only because they couldn't breathe in the extreme heat, but also because it was so hot that it caused proteins in the blood to coagulate, which apparently turns your blood a blackish, bluish tint, which would give you a blue hue, you know? So these guys looked like not even human. The victims' tongues and throats were swollen. Mm -hmm. One fireman stated that they all looked like aliens. Sadly, four <laughs> of the 25 men had died effectively from being roasted alive. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It the should have f- been like 20 of 24. Uh, yeah. Well, you know that these poor guys sustained just life. Well, they had lifelong oh. injuries. Yeah. The four that perished in this incident were um, Harry Osborne, 23. He was serving 10 years for burglary. James McQuaid, 26, serving 18 months for um, assault and battery on a policeman. Frank Comadeco, 46, serving 10 to 20 years for robbery. And Joseph John Walters, 57. I couldn't find what he was in for, but it said that he had been in jail off and on since 1913, and he was referred to as a, quote, long-term prisoner. So, who knows? That's still crazy, though, because you got two dudes for robbery, mm-hmm. one dude for basically essentially fighting a cop. Yeah. And they were all killed and basically tortured to death by Absolutely. the prison. Like, they weren't even murderers or rapists or, you know, child abusers. It's just, it's it's just, it's a human rights thing at that point, you know. It, it, but you can't even, like, it's not even, like, justification. Like, no, well, that motherfucker killed 10 not people. Not at all, yeah. This dude punched a cop and he died for it by being cooked alive. Well, um, the coroner was called a man named Charles Hirsch. And he would later state, quote, 
There is no question that these men met their death by scalding. Their hands were shriveled, indicating immersion in hot water or steam. So these men were killed effectively, and the coroner's report reflected that, right? Yeah. However, the, the prison superintendent, a man named William Mills, as well as the police, like all the police <laughs> and investigators, denied that this that that was a possibility altogether and took the stance that these prisoners basically died in a prison brawl. <laughs> They're just covering their CYA at that point. Well, yeah. In fact, an initial police report, so this is the police report, claimed that these men simply died of, quote, overexertion and exhaustion. Sure, that makes sense. Of course. Their analysis was actually concluded with the notation, nothing suspicious. So, Well, they're the ones that write the report, so they're gonna sign, everybody's going to sign off on that so no one looks at it. So the police reports and the coroner's reports are rather conflicting, wouldn't you say? Uh, a little bit. You know what's interesting? You know what that reminds me of, though, the hmm. whole thing? Do you remember the, like, medieval and earlier torture technique of that? What's called, I think it's called the Iron Bull. And then they lit the fire around it and it cooked them. It was a inside. giant yeah. steel, like, cow. Yeah, absolutely. And they would put people inside of it and put it over a roasting fire. Wasn't that on Game of Thrones? It was, and it was also in the movie uh, Immortals. That's what I was thinking of. I think it was in Game of Thrones, but it was definitely in Immortals. So the coroner's report and the police reports, they're very conflicting. By now, they're pre- they're public, you know? They're polar opposites. Well, on Tuesday, August 23rd, police had asked to meet with coroner Charles Hirsch. And they were like, hey, can you change your report to match ours? Because it looks bad. <laughs> and Charles was like, no. <laughs> like something. That's brave. These, these people were murdered. <coughs> you okay? I'm sorry. So I haven't got rid of that cough I've had for like weeks. No, you're fine. These people were murdered. It looks like we have the city of Philadelphia trying to initiate a cover-up, which was no surprise because back then, and this is 28, right? Philly was horrifically corrupt. In fact, it was said that uh, if you were a cop not on the take, like not in someone's back pocket, then you were an oddity. If I, and I may be wrong with this, but if I remember back in that time, like Philly was on like the police and all that stuff was on the same kind of scale and corruption as like Chicago and New York. With oh mob yeah, and absolutely. They were really, really it was bad. one of the worst cities. I don't, all that stuff. I don't get into it cause I didn't want to waste too much time, but the mayor and I forgot his name during this time. I mean, he was just, he was actually the, the only mayor in us history that had ever killed somebody. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, what went on? I hate to say it this way, but how many times can you say that there's, you know, public officials that aren't corrupt? I mean, oh, uh, well, hell, our fair city, our our district, our county judge had her whole office raided. Oh, that's right. She did. For who knows what? We, we kind of know what, but and then our, the, mayor, get into the it. mayor here is also as a corrupt motherfucker as it gets too. So. so that's kind of what we're dealing with here in post-depression Philly. That's another thing to take into account. Post-depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Post World War One, this is this is that time period where you know you got your moonshiners, your 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 prohibitions, your speakeasies, mafia's real big because this is real big. This is like the, isn't this like the Al Capone time? Mm, that was in the 30s, so right before yeah, yeah 1920. I mean, it's, it's real big. Yeah, uprising of the mafia and the organized crime. So Absolutely. I mean, Thankfully, Coroner Hirsch he had some integrity, and he wasn't the only one who believed foul play was involved. Welfare secretary, <laughs> you're going to get a kick out of this, Pat. Okay, so Charles Ingard, he's a welfare secretary. Um, he thought, okay, something super fishy with these deaths. 
so he proposed a test be done to kind of see what happened here in the Klondike. It would promptly be coined by the news. He even announced, he's like, okay, we're going to run a test to see what really happened. And the newspapers coined this test as the roasting test. Huh. Effectively, a pot roasting there or something? listen, you're going to die. Effectively, Ingard announced that 12 investigators, including five state police officers, because got to have somebody from the police force so they believe what you're doing. Well, you got to take it outside of Philly and then you got to go higher than this in the local police. So you got to go state police. Effectively, they would get together and enter the Klondike and undergo the same conditions as the dead inmates went through. They'd bring along their scientific equipment and monitor the air temperature. Not a solid plan, if you ask me, but I'm no scientist. It's a little risky. I think he was well-intended, but he didn't think it all the way through. Like, we're sending these people to their deaths, you know? Anyways, the test was canceled due to being too dangerous. And Ingard would later say, and I quote, There is adequate testimony to show the heat was on, and the 21 survivors will testify vividly to what the conditions were. So you don't need us to kill ourselves. We have, you know, survivors that can testify. Yeah. And enough of them. You got 20 of them. Yeah. Governor George Earl made a visit to the prison soon after this incident on August 30th, and it was a well-documented visit by newspapers. After being shown the conditions in the prison's Klondike, the governor was so affected that he had to go and take refuge under a tree outside and kind of regain his composure before making a statement to the media. He would call the perpetrators of the crime, quote, the cruelest sadists who ever lived. He stated, quote, the Klondike could not have been built for anything more than torture. I don't know if they wanted to murder these men, but I do know that they wanted to torture them. What happened here was not accidental, and he went on to assure the public that they, this, there would never be an occurrence like this again. So I think it's safe to say that a cover-up to the extent that the prison staff and police wanted just wasn't going to happen, thankfully. There was, not at this point, no. You know, this was governor, national news. The governor's like, yeah. fuck you, what did you do here? A full investigation was done, and uh, surviving victims of the Klondike murders told a horrifying tale. One inmate said that by Sunday, this is sad, all of the prisoners in isolation were moaning and crying in pain. He stated that one fellow convict kept begging for a guard to please just shoot him and put him out of his misery. He testified that the bars to the cells were literally red hot, like red with heat. And when you touched the bars, they they would sizzle when you touched them. Well, think about it. If you ever put your oven at 200 degrees, do you want to go sit in it? No. And touch anything? And no. you're Like you mentioned earlier, you're 12 degrees off boiling point. Your blood is literally in that stage when you're waiting for pasta to boil for the mm-hmm. water. And it's, it's kind of bubbly. Your blood is literally in that stage. It's simmering. It's literally almost boiling inside of you. Like I can't imagine the amount of pain that caused. Oh, it, it was slow. Like a slow, yeah, horrific. And it doesn't stop. We're yeah. talking about two days worth of, you know, yeah. two or three days of It's this. so bad you're just begging to be put out of your misery at that and point. you can't touch anything because everything is 200 degrees in the room. Yeah. So it burns you and scalds you if you touch it. And I, and the governor was completely right when he said that this is, this is sadistic. Like, you have to be a sadist to do that to another human being. I don't care what. After a certain point, the internal temperature of your body is going to be hitting that hot, right? Yeah. Think about the internal temperature of a piece of pork when you cook it to yeah. 165 degrees. And how hot it That's is. That's 45 degrees less yeah. than these guys were sitting in for days. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I was actually 
it, knowing this case, when I was cooking dinner tonight, when the oven when the oven was preheated to like two hundred, I kind of reached in and felt, and I'm like, oh my god, that's what they went through. I have been outside when it's one hundred and thirty. You wanted to die. With was this in Iraq? Yeah, with a heat index and your gear on, it was like supposed to be like 145, 150. Yeah. And it's one of the most miserable feelings in the world. Your eyeballs feel like they're going to explode. It's just, it's just, it's heat that's unnecessary. And this misery that they went through lasted from Friday evening until Monday morning when all the men were either rendered unconscious or dead. Coroner Hirsch who effectively led this investigation into the murders of the four men, assembled a panel called, I didn't even know you could do this, it was called a coroner's jury. The jury uh, listened to three days' worth of testimony and evidence and then found that the four prison deaths were in fact due to the criminal negligence of Superintendent William Mills, Deputy Warden Frank Craven, Captain James McGuire, and both of the prison's physicians, Dr. George Enoch and Dr. Hans Abraham, as well as nine of the prison guards. Okay. So that's good news. Then their cases, so all of the, um, all these people I just read, their cases were um, taken to a grand jury where, get this, only two of those people were found guilty, and that's Deputy Warden uh, Craven and a guard named Francis Smith. Both received the heftiest sentence of uh, one to three years in prison. Everyone else was acquitted. Wow. Yeah. As far as the Klondike building, uh, if you go to the prison today, first of all, you can't visit it, but it's no longer there. Uh, The torture torture radiation was, um, like the radiators, they were torn out immediately and it was effectively, the building was converted into, like, a large storage unit in the 50s. Yeah, I mean, you have to take the radio. Everyone said, what the fuck are those radios? They were there, there just for, for, for torture. Literally the purpose that they served in this incident. But kind of a positive ending to all this, in the mid-1970s, Holmesburg prison guard Werner Saltzman was ordered to take 12 prisoners to the Klondike for isolation. Instead, he gave each of them jackhammers and told them to destroy the building. So they tore it down that day. Fine. Fine by me, right? Yeah, and poor guy probably ended up going losing his job or probably even going to prison almost. Probably so. Just because he was like, fuck that building. So if you go to visit Holmesburg today, which you can't, sadly, but you will see very little evidence that such a horrific place ever existed, which is A-OK with me. And I had to look it up because mm-hmm. I don't remember Holmesburg area of Philly. Of Philly? But it's north, It's the northeast side. Okay. It's up in, um, oh man, I can't remember the township area, but it's, it's northeast Philly. I apologize if I didn't say that. I knew that from my research. I must have just not put it in I don't know if you did or if you didn't say it, but I was trying to, like, I'm like, Holmesburg, where is that? It sounds familiar. Yeah. So, guys, the debauchery at Holmesburg is just beginning. (laughs) Uh, So, after this quick break, we will look into some horrible human experimentation. Be right back. And we're back. So what do you think about the Klondike? Crazy, what would, huh? What would I do for a Klondike bar? Yeah. Klondike sounds like such a happy name and not not. not and so you really think about it, and like Klondike, Alaska, mm-hmm. very inhospitable. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about this fucking human 
barbecue that you just described. It's just crazy that somebody had to come and install those huge ass radiators. Fucking Dahmer would have loved that place. In a in a shed. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like an Instapot for Dahmer. But we're just getting started now. This prison has some history. I'm just saying. I just said an Instapot for Dahmer. Oh my god, I just caught that. <laughs> an Instapot for Dahmer, huh? And there's Pat's quote for the day. <sighs> What is wrong with me? You didn't. There's a lot wrong with you, son. <laughs> you didn't even watch the new uh, Dahmer series. I did. No, I think he's overhyped. I've never been a fan of his story. I just, I don't like him. Well, I'm not a fan of his, but. Not even his. I'm not a fan I, of his story. I have to tell you that Evan Peters absolutely bodied that role. He Evan was Peters bodies, amazing. He every serial killer, monster, horror person in the world. I is amazing. At that he stuff. that poor kid needs to do a, a like a romance comedy next. If he just did, so he can have a break. If you know? he did, I'd be like, why the fuck is this guy in this? Yeah, go back to what true. you do. Like go back to American Horror Story. I love him so much. Go be in the Night Stalker's best friend. Go do him. You know they're coming I, I out with the, next, the Night Stalkers. The next one they're doing. I heard that. You know the uh, Brad Falchuk. I think his name is who did American Horror Story. Maybe I'm wrong. Guys, it's, I don't know but it's Brad Falchuk. I think you know he's the one that produced Dahmer. I believe. I thought it was it wasn't Ryan something. The other oh, guy. is it Ryan? It was Ryan something. That's the guy that like okay, found sorry. Evans to do American Horror Story. Yeah, he's amazing. Okay, he, t- he takes him to all his fucking awful, awful stuff he does, and the kid's amazing. He's yeah. just amazing. It was a hard to watch show, but worth the watch to appreciate his his acting. Well, it was like when we watched um, and we're way off topic right now, but when we watched the Ted Bundy with Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. Like Zach Efron's not known for that kind of stuff, but he literally he did really good. His mannerisms and stuff, he embodied Ted Bundy. You know, in a uh, way that was just weird. The, I was talking about that with the Crime Chronicle girls. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, we were like we were talking about Ted Bundy because we both did episodes on uh, Ted Bundy. By the way, awesome podcast. Go check out the Crime Chronicles. Definitely for sure. They're awesome. They're in high school. Oh yeah, that's, that's, right, that's, yeah, right, that's right. They're that's right. amazing. But and they do such a good job for their age too. It's we crazy. were they oh they're just like. Phenomenal. Like, first of all, why are you covering this at your age? Because you're amazing. But um, uh, we were talking about like who was our favorite actor to portray Bundy, and both of us were like Zac Efron, hands down, just did an amazing job. I'm not like a Zac Efron fan, but he did a really good job. I have to give him credit. I think it was the first movie I've seen in ten years of him that didn't have his shirt off flexing his abs. So kudos to that one. Well, you got him. You got to show him, right? Yeah, I don't have him. I don't either. We're married. We don't need them. <laughs> I drink a lot of beer and I'm out of the army. I don't have abs or anything like that anymore. You got a woman who loves you and likes to feed you. Who cares? That's all I, I love food. Who doesn't, man? I'm just saying. If I'm going to die, I'm not going to die hungry. And I'm not <laughs> probably not going to die fit. But I'm definitely not going to die hungry. <laughs> I'm not dying hungry. Not, not at all. I okay. just want to do like an episode on like death row last meals. Actually, that's very interesting. Wasn't it John? Never mind. I'm not going to. I was well, going to say John Gacy. Had, there's some psychology like behind a lot of that stuff, too. It's really cool and kind of cool. We've talked about this many times. Yeah, we have. Okay, we digress. <laughs> Which we do. Um. Okay, so back to Holmesburg Prison. I don't want to go back. I know. This place sucks. This place does suck. Okay, we're in a, a different, we're in a different decade now. We're in a different decade. And I'd love to tell you that this was the end. The Klondike was the end of human torture at Holmesburg, but yeah. it was not. That's my Russian accent. Sorry. Today we are focusing on Holmesburg prison, of course, but I would like to give you a shocking fact real quick. 
Okay, in the 50s and 60s, so post-war, at least half of the states in the U.S. had at least one prison doing human experiments. Interesting, right, Pat? Mm, it kind of makes sense, right? Because it falls into that whole thing as, you know, as we got through World War II, we found mm-hmm. out what the Nazis were doing. They were doing tons of, like, We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Occult human experiment kind of stuff. And it mm-hmm. kind of spawned across the world after that. Like the Russians started doing it. The U.S. started doing it. It was just like this weird, weird era of research. You know how many, so one in, at least one prison in uh, half of the U.S. states. Can you guess how many prisons were doing human experiments in P- Pennsylvania, Pat? Just want to take a wild guess. All of them. Ten. So all of them. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't like little county prisons. So between 1951 and 1974, which feels uncomfortably recent for some reason. It does. And I feel like we're shooting on Philly and Pennsylvania a lot here. I don't mean to. You're a Philly boy, so it's okay for me to talk shit about it. A little offended that we're fucking talking this much shit about all the Philly prisons. We love you, Philly. It makes sense, though. This was in the past. Okay, so between 51 and. We fucking threw snowballs at Santa Claus at a football game, so whatever. You would. We did. I mean, I didn't. It was in like the 70s. Between 51 and 74, inmates at the prison were used as human experimental guinea pigs for various things like uh, mind-altering drugs, viruses, diseases, and even bioweapons. And more innocent-sounding substances such as cosmetics and toothpaste were tested on these prisoners as well. So I guess you could say that these heinous experiments were consensual but some would argue that that was, in fact, not the case. Well, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, they may have been consensual because they may have offered them sentence reductions. Well, yep. Okay. Easier time. Well, there you go. See, the prison had this program, to your point, Pat, where if you were eligible for it, you could earn your own freedom because this they were overcrowded. You right, could right, earn right. your own freedom by paying for it. So if you had enough money for bail, you could be a free man. Well, with these experiments, the inmates were paid a couple of bucks to agree to be a test subject. They did sign waivers, but in my research, it seemed that they were not fully informed of the possible long-term side effects, nor did they really even have a clue most of the time what was being done to them. So they were unable to make an informed decision. No, but the waivers were probably like... Sign this. It just says you won't hold the prison liable. But if you do this, we're going to reduce your sentence. So everyone's like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to do exactly. this because I get the fuck out of this place. Doc- Next thing you know, they're feeding you LSD and fucking all these other God fucking knows shots. What else. And you're like, oh, what the fuck is happening? Dr. Al- Albert uh, Klingman was head of experimental research at Holmesburg. Albert Klingman. A man who's best known for co-inventing the acne medication Retin-A, which is still widely used today, by the way. I know that name somewhere. So Dr. Klingman's main focus was dermatology. He was a dermatologist. And we will see he saw nothing wrong with using inmates as guinea pigs for his research. In fact, he famously recounted the first time he entered the prison as head of research. And he said, and I quote, All I saw before me were acres of human skin. It was like a farmer seeing a fertile field for the first time. This is kind of crazy to me. Uh, Earlier, I mentioned that the inmates gave a degree of consent to these experiments. Well, Dr. Klingman actually spoke about the 
early days in the 50s when he first started experimenting on the prisoners. He said, quote, I began to go to the prisons regularly, although I had no authorization. It was years before the authorities knew that I was conducting various studies on prison, prisoner volunteers. Things were simpler then. Informed consent was unheard of. No one asked me what I was doing. It was a wonderful time, end quote. Yeah, they didn't ask what he was doing. They just were told they were getting off earlier. They would, you know, we'll take three months, six months, a year, depending yeah. on what they're doing. The guys are like, fuck yeah, I don't give a shit. Do whatever. His experiments exposed inmates to herpes, staff, <laughs> fuck. various cosmetics being tested. Seem, you know, sounds kind of innocuous. Uh, skin blistering chemicals, radioactive isotopes, psychoactive drugs, and carcinogens. At one point, inmates were injected with various types of cancer cells. Who would allow this to happen, you may ask? Uh, well, well, not really. They're prisoners, right? Who else are you going to experiment Well, I mean, on? who would allow Klingman to do this? Klingman paid enough. would end up receiving 33 different sponsors. Exactly. To include exactly. little organizations you might have heard of, Patrick, like Johnson & Johnson, Dow Chemicals, and your alma mater, the U.S. Army. Well, <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. Do you know why? Because Dow is based out of Delaware. Mm-hmm. Johnson & Johnson has a headquarters in Philly. There you go. And the U.S. Army catches wind of anything like that. And they were talking about post-World War II, mm-hmm. which was the first time an atomic weapon was ever used. So we really yeah. didn't know the long-term effects of skin blistering, radiation, right. all these other kind of things. So who else are we going to test it on? Well, prison, fuck prisoners, right? Yeah. I mean, that's probably what led to the human rights stuff, which turned into animals, right? And then we're off of that now. And I don't even know what the fuck we tested on anymore. But So if a major company or organization wanted to you know, a product or a chemical or whatever tested, they knew that they could pay Dr. Klingman at Holmesburg and get it done without any questions. And I guarantee you he was paying the warden and whoever he needed to, he's kicking him a little, getting a little kickback. And they're like, go ahead and fucking do it. Inmates would later come forward and describe their horrific experiences. One recounts that he was exposed to microwave radiation and sulfuric acid, which ended up reducing the skin on his forearm to a leather like substance. Doctors used the acid on his testicles as well, which, of course, ended Just, up blistering them horribly. I mean, I'm cool. Like, <laughs> I'm not cool with it, but I'm saying, like, you're testing something on my arm. That's one thing. But you want to start putting acid on my balls? We're going to have issues. I don't want you testing shit on me. Put that shit in a Petri dish. And don't see put it near my balls. I'm just saying. Out of curiosity, I'd like to know why... We need to know as human beings what sulfuric acid would do to your testicles. We don't need to know that. I pretty... Well, maybe back then... I, I can't even fucking explain that shit. <laughs> That's... I mean... You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to know what sulfuric acid... I can't think of one instance that I would need to know what it would do but to a man's testicles. I, I, I understand that, but at the same time, it brings me like it makes me start questioning it. And then what? You know, what do I think of? I think of the fucking warning labels on everything we have nowadays. Don't put tell, it on your testicles. Don't put this in your mouth. Don't put burning hot coffee in your fucking lap because that fucking lady won millions of dollars for spurn, McDonald's fucking McDonald's coffee all over her fucking cooter because she couldn't fucking <laughs> not know better. Like humans are stupid. Humans are stupid. I mean, when we want to understand something, <laughs> we're just going to go figure it out. You know what I mean? We're just, I just, I don't know how else to say it. Get this, Pat. You're going to be like, what? It just gets worse and worse. Some inmates were asked to, you know, go and physically exert themselves. Like, go work out, work up like a really good sweat. 
And then Dr. Klingman would put them to sleep, and then he would remove their sweat glands. Yeah. Klingman, <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Why? To see what happens if they don't have sweat glands? I mean, okay, but. Uh. Because they didn't have medical enough advancement or knowledge back then to see, like, maybe if we don't have sweat glands, we don't sweat. No, you just die from overheating, but. Klingman would also, and I have a picture of this, and I'm not going to post on Instagram. It's on the cover of a book that I'll be talking about here. Um, I just don't think it's necessary. Uh, But Klingman would also stitch fragments of cadavers, dead people, to the backs of inmates to determine if the cadaver fragments would start functioning as part of the inmate skin. What? Um, what, What I... And I know maybe they wanted to test for, like, burn victims or something, you know? But when I was looking at this inmate, because I'll show you the picture after this. But this poor guy, he his whole back was, and it wasn't, like, patches. His whole back from neck to, like, ass crack and from shoulder to shoulder, was, the skin was removed. And then it was stitched. Like, Why? You know? That's better. I mean, in my head, I have, like, someone's arm being stitched to someone's back, like. Wouldn't you, like, it's almost like the human caterpillar vibes, what was going on here. I wonder if Klingman ins- inspired that gross-ass movie. You know what it gives it's me? Gross. Is Nazi experiment vibes. That's why I said, if I read this to you out of context and didn't tell you where it was, wouldn't you be like, oh, this is Nazi Germany? Well, here's and the thing. And we're going to touch on that, guys, by the way, and stick around because... It gets crazy. But here's the thing. What's his We're name touch again? On What's his full name? Klingman. Um, Dr. Isn't it like Albert? Albert Klingman. So let me ask you a very German name. Is it Klingman, Klingsman? He was actually Jewish. Can you believe that? Okay. Well, I was going to go in a different direction because everybody fled Nazi Germany. Yeah. No. Do you know he was a Jew? He was. So I, 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 I don't know what his deal was. It just money hungry. That's true, but there's also, there's, well, there's also a lot of theories that after we found out. Mad you know, scientist kind of vibes. More mad scientists. There's also a lot of theories that after, you know, the world found out what Nazi Germany was doing mm-hmm. in experiments back then. And when they're talking about, we talked about with the occult and all the stuff they were doing. There's theories that a lot of people, Russia, America, a bunch of other the major powers were like, maybe they're onto something. Let's after, fucking try this. After reading this, Pat, I really, because look what we did in the Klondike in the 20s. Who's to say that we weren't doing it right alongside Germany? We just didn't have the, you know what I mean? We just weren't as eccentric about it because yeah. Hitler was all into the occult. We weren't. We'll, we'll get there. I mean, it's it's crazy. But, okay, so human experiments were so common that out of the 1,200 inmates, Pat, 80 to 90% of them were tested on. So there's 1,200 inmates. That's all of them. That's yeah. almost all of and them. And if you're offering me three months off, six months off, mm-hmm. a year off, Fuck you, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what they're doing. You just know there's a program where they're offering release time and they're, everybody's hearing about it. It's going to spread like wildfire. Klingman argued that the inmates did in fact consent. So there was no moral issue with this. However, I think we have to take a few things into account. They consented to the program, not knowing what's going on. One inmate named Leodis Jones, a former inmate who would later participate in lawsuits against the prison, was quoted as saying, quote, I was in prison with low bail. I couldn't afford the monies to pay bail. I knew I wasn't guilty of what I was being held for. I was being coerced to a plea bargain. So I thought, if I can get out of this, get me the money to get a lawyer, I can beat this. This was my first thought. And this is a, and this kind of uh, brings 
to mind uh, the Tuskegee experiments back in the 30s when the United States Public Health Service lured um, black men who were not financially well off to participate in the syphilis study. They were promised housing for their families and compensation. And I could do a whole episode on this, but it was widely considered inhumane. They, a lot of these men um, had syphilis um, and they gave them a placebo to see what happens while it ran its course. I mean, it was just, it was awful. Absolutely horrible. It was very inhumane. To my point, what do these two events, the um, human experiment at Holmesburg and the human experiments with in Tuskegee, what do they have in common? Experiments were done on the most vulnerable. With Tuskegee, these poor men, poor men, literally poor, agreed to participate so they could feed and house their families. And with Holmesburg, the inmates agreed so that they could receive compensation for a chance at freedom. Right. So it's something to think about. Is that really informed consent? I don't feel like it is. No, it's a, it, it really is. You know, back then, maybe they thought it was, but, you know, today's world, that's coercion. All of this information and much more is in a book called Acres of Skin by Alan Hornblum, and I highly suggest reading it. Uh, Hornblum goes on to really focus on Dr. Klingman's dermatological studies, testing pharmaceuticals and biochemical substances on people. Some of these experiments included, are you ready for this? Let's go. A study examining the way the ways a person, uh, the way a person's feet could be infected with ringworm. They administered large quantities Ooh. of fungi to inmates and then made them wear boots for a week. It's easy to do since their test subjects are in such a controlled environment, right? They're prisoners. So they were also administered different versions of yeast. There was a, a study where prisoners were infected with the herpes simplex virus. And, of course, studies exposing prisoners to long ultraviolet rays. The biochemical experiments really got me. The Dow Company, Dow Chemical, gave Dr. Klingman $10,000 to test dioxin on the inmates. What's dioxin, you may ask? It's a poisonous substance found in Agent Orange. Yeah, I know exactly what it is. Yeah. The U.S. Army also contracted Klingman to test the effects of mind-altering drugs, such such as LSD, LSD. and Lord knows what else. That was the government's thing, man. They love that shit. Now, many of the prisoners, um, the survivors of this, they would later come forward and state that they stayed away from all the Army experiments (laughs) due to rumors that the drugs that Klingman administered to their subjects would drive you to insanity. Which is which is. I find that interesting on mm-hmm. the level that they stayed away from the army's experiments. They're like, was, oh yeah, screw that. <laughs> they're like, fuck that shit. It's the military, <laughs> yeah, right? But yeah. it's like they're experimenting with mind-altering drugs and LSD. Right. They're fine with fucking syphilis, herpes, ringworm, fucking dioxin. I don't think they knew. I'm just saying they didn't. Yeah. It was the stigma that automatically it was the military. You automatically knew it was probably something bad. Bad. Yeah. Like some chemical weapon. Some yeah. Biological weapon. Hell yeah. And then the other ones are like, oh, it's a chemical company doing pharmaceuticals. They're like, oh, I can help. Well, actually, that was worse than just taking a shit ton of LSD. Mustard gas. Fuck that shit. And its effects were also tested on the inmates. That's fucked up. Some of the experiments were seemingly innocuous. A bunch of inmates would readily sign up to test things like, which I would do this, to sign up to test things like bubble bath products, toothpaste, etc. Because how bad can that be, right? And yeah, you acidic. get paid for taking a fucking bubble bath. I'll or take it. Too acidic, too alkalinic. 
Well, one prisoner named Edward Anthony recalls signing up for a Johnson & Johnson study to test a bubble bath, and he reported having broken out in full-body blisters. Mm -hmm. I think we get the idea here. (laughs) Like I said, definitely go and check out the book Acres of Skin if you want to read all the grisly details of these experiments. I'm just kind of grazing over everything to paint a picture. (laughs) Okay, so... Let's talk a little bit about the repercussions of these experiments because I know we all want to know how and if, well, we know they came to an end in this prison. How did it come to an end? So Kligman became the subject of an investigation by the FDA in 1965, and the public started to become more aware of the way these prisoners were being treated and uh, questions of human right violations started to arise. And it's 1965. It's the beginning of the hippie movement. Mm-hmm. Is human rights is in the forefront of the world. So, yeah, makes sense. In 1966, Klingman was uh, banned from conducting drug testing at Holmesburg due to his discrepancies in record keeping and for violating FDA standards. Oh, I'm sure he wasn't writing down every detail of what he was fucking doing there. However, Kligman's ability to continue conducting experiments was reinstated less than a month, four weeks after his initial ban. <laughs> Not a lot of punishment there, I wouldn't say. Maybe there wasn't enough to hold him on because he didn't keep enough records, yeah. right? They probably were like, fuck you. You can't do this because you don't keep records. And then legally, the lawyers were like, he can because he's not doing anything wrong. because There's no records that he does anything wrong. Thankfully, experimentation was altogether ended at Holmesburg by the Board of Trustees after the Senate Labor and Public Welfare Committee held a hearing on human experimentation in 1974. So that's that's typically what happens, right? We see that all the time in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Right? They go after the person and they're like, you didn't, you're doing all this shit, but you don't have proof. And that's why we're going to, you're not allowed to do it because mm-hmm. you, you you're not documenting, you don't yeah. have proof. And then they come back and say, well, we don't have proof, so you can't ban them. So then, you know, some kind of governing body comes in and says, you know what? No one's fucking doing this right. shit. That's usually right. how it always happens, right? Actually, oddly enough, this hearing wasn't even meant to cover Holmesburg. It was meant to cover the Tuskegee experiments that I mentioned earlier. But this was the new scandal. However, human mistreatment at Holmesburg ended up being a huge topic of conversation. It was also determined in both cases, so Tuskegee and Holmesburg, that human rights were absolutely being violated, and the Nuremberg Code was referred to during the trial. Really? Now, this is kind of why I wanted to circle back when you were mentioning Nazi Germany and, you know, the Nuremberg trials, yeah. Now, you've heard of the Nuremberg Trials, where the U.S. brought a lot of the head Nazi human rights offenders, the doctors and whatnot. Concentration camp. Over here, yeah. Overlords, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We brought them over here to the states for prosecution, and in many cases, those offenders faced death. Well, ironically, and I didn't know this, the U.S. didn't follow the convention until the 1990s. In other words... We did not adopt the Nuremberg Code ourselves. Wait, you mean the U.S. set forth a code and didn't follow it? Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Just as a quick, no just as a quick refresher, the Nuremberg Code states: "quote The person involved should have the le- like if it's testing or something like that experimentation should have the legal capacity to give consent, 
should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. So we wrote this code, but it wasn't until the 90s that we chose to enforce it. It's kind of the rules for thee, but not for me kind of thing. It's a little wacky, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's a little fucked up. In the 1980s, ex-prisoners started to come forward to tell their story. 298 ex-prisoners who participated in the Dow Chemical, Dioxin, and Johnson & Johnson experiments came together and filed a lawsuit against Holmesburg Prison in the year 2000. Unfortunately, in 2002, a federal court ruled that the statute of limitations had passed and dismissed their case. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Holmesburg Prison was officially decommissioned and closed in 1995. And in 2017, it was used now and again for tactical training exercises by law enforcement. Although the prison does not allow any visitors, it was used to film scenes in movies such as Condition Red uh, in 1995, Up Close and Personal in 1996, and Law Abiding Citizen in 2009. That's a good movie, too. (laughs) Uh, in 2007 uh, to 2015, Holmesburg was temporarily reopened to help relieve some of the overcrowding issues in surrounding prisons. But there was a little upheaval when that happened because, as it turns out, Patrick, the prison is saturated with asbestos. No. Every building that old is, though. Well, I feel like this place is just cursed. Like, even the building is violating human rights. <laughs> There's such a today. history of but it. But that's today. today. Right? No, when I know. A lot of these buildings were built in that time. They were all built with asbestos, lead yeah, paints, all these yeah. kind of things, right? So, But you would think in 2015, we would be aware that there's freaking, we, you know, we had the equipment to test us. Oh, we do. Aggravating. And we can, I mean, literally, I work for companies that deals with asbestos and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, so, I mean, we can take care of it. It's like, I don't know. One thing to note, and that's why I was kind of quiet for a second, because I'd never actually heard of yeah, the, what you looking the at? Nuremberg Code. Oh, you haven't. I've, I've heard of the trials. We've all heard of the trials. Yeah, we wrote a code. <laughs> we didn't write a code. We didn't. Who did? So I really dove into it for a second there, and I was like, I was trying to understand like why we are part of this and we didn't do it. So it's interesting to note that it was written, two, two co-authors were two American physicians okay. during the Nuremberg trials when they talked about this stuff. But it's interesting to note that no country has adopted it as law. So no, it's it's, it's more it's of, more considered part of the Hippocratic oath, yeah, type of thing. So to your point, when you were saying like they didn't follow it for years because no one fucking recognized it. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like the Geneva Convention where this is fucking rule of law, right? Like you don't do this shit. This was like you shouldn't do this, and yeah. everyone was like, yeah, you you really fucking shouldn't. But was this a mild suggestion? I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> It's a heavy suggestion, but we don't have to follow it if we don't want to. So fuck you. We're not going to. Well, still, why write it? Like, why would we? No, I get what you're saying. And this is more of a dig at us as Americans. Why would we write something and not choose to go by it? You know? We ran around the 1950s saying don't fucking use nuclear weapons after we fucking dropped the only two in history on fucking people. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of hypocritic here in the U.S. And That's I love the why. U.S. And I'm a huge fan of the U.S. But we're kind of hypocritical when it comes to 10 out of 10. <laughs> we love to say don't do that shit after we did it. Like, and continue to do it when we, like we do shit and we're it. like, hey, you guys shouldn't do that. And we're literally doing it. Like, um, On a positive note, there was an organization of survivors formed. Not sure what year, but the organization is called the Experimentation Survivors. And there are currently 700 members. Several have testified at state and local level hearings regarding the injustices against them. And the organization itself has filed numerous lawsuits against various dermatologists over the years, which indicate to me that Klingman definitely had, you know, some help. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, he wasn't the only fucking person doing it. Oh, for sure. Especially when people caught wind of him making money off of it, or he's getting grants, he's getting donations, he's getting paid to do all this shit. Everybody else is doing the same kind of thing as him. He's like, fuck you, I'll do it too. I definitely hope that those who were affected are receiving some sort of compensation because I'm sure many have struggled with life. I know many have struggled with lifelong uh, physical issues. Absolutely. Due to tests perform on them. And um, yeah, I mean, just the pictures are horrifying. And that, and that point you just brought up there kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Because I, I look at, obviously, I always take things sometimes back to the military side. And there's there's fucking Vietnam vets and all these people that were exposed to fucking Agent Orange that we dropped on our own people. Yeah. And they're still struggling to get compensation for it. They're mm-hmm. still struggling to be getting taken care of because we fucking did it to our own people. We know people who we have know people been. who have been exposed to Agent yeah, Orange. And have, literally the U.S. was dropping on mm-hmm. its own people. Yeah. And they're still, 40 years later, like. Hey, I'm just trying to get taken care of for the shit that's been bothering me since 1976. Yeah. So I mean that that point of yours that they're trying to get you know hopefully they're getting taken care of it frustrates me like why the it fuck frustrates don't? me too. this whole thing frustrates me it frustrates me because it was allowed because it was allowed and that you know we were just aghast at how the Nazis were behaving. But yeah, I was gonna say publicly we fucking denounce anybody else doing it. Which we should, you know, we should denounce what the Nazis did. We're fucking doing it in our backyard. But we're over here fucking doing it. And we don't, and it was like, and we don't even know about, have you heard about this? I hadn't even heard about the Nuremberg Code. I've never heard about this in my life. And you know, the, the light, I've spoken to a lot of people because I went down a rabbit hole months back and you may remember this. Um, maybe even (laughs) like a year ago. Um, the, Tuskegee experiment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, yeah. like, Patrick, have you heard of this? And you're like, what? Well, you went down and a I mean, rabbit hole. Crazy. We, we watched what TV show was that? It was the hospital in New York in the 20s. Was it Willow? It was um, all about syphilis and all that kind of stuff. Somebody might know what show I'm talking about. It was on like HBO or something like that. I can't remember. But we, you went down a rabbit hole because you found out how the stuff that all was the- it Brooke. Um, I know what you're talking about. You know what now. I'm talking about. Yeah. You went down a rabbit hole because they were always using drugs and they were testing on people with syphilis and cutting their noses off. And you were like, what the fuck? It's just, I, I hate something really, or maybe this is why I'm into true crime, is I hate injustice. I This kind of stuff just gets me right in the gut. Well, it's a morality thing. It's like, a morality. It's a human like, right thing. To someone like you... And to a lot, even to someone like me, to a lot of people, or most people, there's not a very big difference between a Ted Bundy and a Dahmer mm-hmm. and a Klingman. No, there's you're, not. You're inflicting one knowing, has a you're, degree. You're knowingly inflicting pain, death, you know, torture, 
bad things and you don't give a fuck because you know one thinks they're doing it for good but they're still doing it the other is just doing it for personal reasons but that's the only difference and i think guys if if you go and just kind of look into this yourself like in the acres of skin book if you flip through it you'll see that a lot of his experiments just there would be no need for it in society i'm not saying that you know a lot of that any of his experiments were justified on humans however why would I need to know, like I was saying earlier, what sulfuric acid would do to your testicles? I'm not right. going to need to know that. I mean, they're all these guys are all on the same like they're getting paid to do this stuff, but they're all on the same lines to me as as Doctor Death, mm-hmm. the Angel of Death Nurse, like working yeah. and all these people that were just killing people. Like, oh, I'm killing them to put them out of their fucking misery. No, you're fucking killing people. You give a sadist a doctorate, and that's what. That's what happened. That's the only difference is it was in a refined situation (laughs) where you're doing medical testing or whatever versus, you know, I'm not going to go down rabbit holes of what the other guys were doing, just bad shit to bad people for no reason Mm -hmm. other than sexual and personal urges. But I don't see that much of a difference. It's a very blurred line between the two. Yeah. Other than, like you said, a degree and some funding. Yeah. Nothing. And what gets me is, well, even back in Klondike, um, we just let it go. Nobody served more than a year in prison for what they did, you know? And I'm not saying that the prisoners were cream of the crop people. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying. But if you're punishing a prisoner, you know, an elongated torture is not, I don't see how that helps anyone what does that serve unless your own sadism you know it it is a it's a form of sadism and you look at it you know historically humans we've always held these spectacles of torture and execution we still do it to this fucking day we fill a room of fucking people and watch us execute a person why are we doing that because they're witnesses no you only need two people to witness something three at most you Mm -hmm. don't need a fucking room full of people to watch someone die yeah it's, it, it's almost sadistic to your point. I mean, we do things to people. Going back to our last prison episode, we were fucking hanging horse thieves and the fucking whole town would show up to watch the motherfucker hang. So weird why? to me. I don't know why. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't want to watch that. I mean, I can go down a whole rabbit hole on it, but humans are inherently violent. Yeah. And there's some degree of evil and sadism to almost every human being on the world. It's just a matter of how much. Yeah. No, that's very true. We are just by nature. That's what we are. Yeah. And Absolutely. when you partner that and you couple that with greed, ambition, you know, those kind of things make a fucking human very dangerous. They yeah. will do shit that no other human will do on a moral level because it's just fucking awful. But well, what, what was it? Um, Dow Chemical or Johnson Johnson paid Dr. Klingman $10,000 to test Dow. that. Was it Dow to test that? What? And I don't. I mean, that was a lot of money back in the 70s. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I grew up around Dow. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dow's shady. They're not. Look. Yeah, they don't have the best track record with giving a fuck. I mean, Dow Chemical was the one that is polluted water supplies, I believe. Yeah, literally the Delaware River. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. No. And they're not the only ones that don't give a no, fuck. No, I, I just say that because I grew up <laughs> Lots 45 of companies. minutes from yeah, Dow. Yeah, yeah. You are, you know, you can attest to it. But a Dow, lot of- Dow, all those. A lot of these, you know, big players, they don't give a fuck about you and, and they'll do whatever it takes- and it, that's what gets me, like, I was reading something about how, you know, the athlete's foot thing. I put it in here. Right, right, right. Um, I put it in there because, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but when they infected all these prisoners with athlete's foot and then had them wear boots for, like, a week at a time, never take them off even while sleeping or showering, 
Why can't you do that in a Petri dish? I don't know. There is no reason not to do that on a human or an animal. So, and I kept saying Dow and Dow, dude, we do have Dow back there. I was thinking DuPont chemical. It's DuPont. I'm sorry, Dow, your excuse. Not, well, not for this, but. I was thinking DuPont, but Dow is here. Please don't sue us. We don't have the money to pay. (laughs) Dow is here because you go down to the Dow plant, you won't even go near it. I wouldn't even go set foot on the land down there, let alone go to like parts of Louisiana. You're fucking glow in the back if you do. Think about Louisiana. We go to some casinos and stuff out there. You won't even swim in the water out there. No. You'll Fuck glow that. in the dark you when you get out. You'll glow in the dark when you get out of that water. It's so nasty from all the chemical plants. It's gross. I was thinking DuPont. I don't know why I was saying Dow. I know. Sorry, Dow. Well, no, we're not sorry because you kind of sucked mean DuPont in too? The- No, I meant Dow Chemical. Oh. I meant for the water supply thing we were thinking of, DuPont was. It was DuPont, wasn't it? Back east, it's DuPont, yeah, because that's Delaware. It, uh, no, Dow Chemical was the one that funded Dr. Klingman. They were to up there too, but DuPont was the one that was in my head. Yeah. Wow. Right? Wow. It's just a fucking. Like I said, you, people will do anything with enough lack of morals and enough funding, you have enough greed, money. and ambition. And greed and ambition are the two most dangerous things a human being and has. power. Not even power, but greed and ambition to get power. It, they're the two of the most dangerous things in the world. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you do some really shitty shit. Find the right person with the, the least amount of morals and they will do some shit. Yep. And my need for justice hates that the Klondike happened. Nobody served more than a year. Um, this happened. Dr. Klingman came out scot-free. I mean, I, I need, I didn't even look what happened to his practice. I'm sure he was able to practice. I mean, it was a scandal. That's all it was. <laughs> it's just Tuskegee. There wasn't a lot that came out of that one. I think somebody got fired. Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We took the Nuremberg and we fucking put them all to death. Yeah. But we, we, we're, we're going to still well, do it guys. <laughs> and, and in context, a lot of the people we put to death from Nuremberg were like Goering and all those guys that. Killed millions. Mendel. Mendel was the, he's the one that is relatable to this story. Yeah, he's the one that gave me, Kleeman gives me Mendel vibes. He gives you Mendel vibes because he was the head scientist over there doing the crazy shit the fucking Nazis were doing. Yeah. Anywho, we'd like to know your thoughts. This is a fucking controversial ass fucking story. I think the prison ones always bring a lot of controversy. Too controversial. I think that everyone across the board would be like, Hey, man. Maybe I don't mean controversial. Maybe I need a very opinionated, opinion-filled. Yeah. Because it's it, obviously you and I are sitting here throwing opinions all over the place. Yeah, I would love to know what you guys' opinion is. Um, We're definitely not the end-all, be-all. That's for damn sure. Oh, hell no. We we're don't not, know our ass from our elbows. We're, we're no authority on everything. We're just talking. We're just having a conversation about like how fucked up shit is. Yeah. And some reason, y'all like listening to us talk about how fucked up shit is. Well. I love y'all for that. We will sit here and talk about how fucked up shit is all day. (laughs) We do it off air all day long, so we'll do it on air. Can you believe this? (laughs) But anyways, That's why I'm looking forward to doing some of these lives we want to do on Patreon and stuff where we can like literally interact with y'all while we're talking about this shit. That's going to be so fun. I'm a little nervous, though. I don't want to say something stupid. I don't care so much about camera anymore. I've kind of gotten past that fear, but I... I'm so scared I'm going to say something stupid. The first time we do it, I know it right now. (laughs) You're going to turn to me and be like, edit that. And be like, we're fucking live. (laughs) I can't edit it. I fucking can't edit that. And you're going to be like, fuck. (laughs) And you know that's going to happen. Oh, well. And I'm going to love every minute of it. It's real, right? So you just got to. I do it all the time when I do it. presentations and stuff at work or when I'm doing a training or something. And I say something I'm like, I just got to keep fucking rolling and just hope like no one noticed. We did it. 
it's kind of, I guess this is our, like M cube does the dumbassery segment. That's ours but, at the end of it. We ramble and talk stupid shit. But that one time we were interviewing with um, Jen. Oh, with and, Jen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was really, I felt like I was really holding it together and I'm not a together person. But then we, <laughs> right before we started the interview, it was a, like, she could see us and we're on YouTube. You know, so everyone can see. Yeah, us. and just for y'all know, we didn't interview on our show. She has, she has, a, she had her on. She has her own yeah, YouTube she had us show. On she her had us show. On her show. Well, right when I was in the middle of telling like a very serious story, our um, washing machine went off balance and started like Going crazy. shaking the whole damn house, and I was like, "Oh, so sorry." <laughs> It doesn't help though that Jen's a friend of ours, right? So it's a little yeah. She's 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 so a you're friend. more comfortable than when something awkward happens. You're like, and I kept. I was like, do I acknowledge it? What do I do? So I just kept talking louder to talk over. Hundred <laughs> percent. It is what it is. You know, I'm really cool and suave. No, you can't not. help it. <laughs> you are like the opposite of suave. I know. I'm a dork. It's all good. I'm a dork. Whatever. Okay, guys. Well, we're going to go get our dorky selves off of this. I got to watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, we got to watch the new Game of Thrones. Loving it, by the way. We're like a fucking episode behind and it's killing us. We love you guys. Make sure that you go subscribe and listen to M-Cube. Tell Sam and Paige that we sent you. And we love you and be good to each other.